Jesus being our advocate with the Father. Chapter 1, verse 9 says that we, we do have sin. We confess that sin. He's faithful just to forgive the sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then a couple verses later, he clarifies that when he says that we have an advocate with the Father that is full of grace and truth. That was, I know it's been mentioned here before, but that was the moniker, so to speak. It wasn't Jesus attorney at law. It was Jesus full of grace and truth. And that's the kind of advocate that we needed. It's the kind of advocate that we need on a daily basis. And ironically enough, it's the kind of advocate that we're going to be talking about tonight. We've uh, made our way through Romans chapter number 8. A pretty good ways to, at this point. Um, we're coming right up on the heels of probably one of the most famous and possibly one of the most taken out of context or taken out of interpretation verses in the New Testament. But we have seen, we've seen that the Spirit is in us, that it's helping us. Verse 1 says, walk after Him, We're walking after the Spirit. And because we walk after the Spirit, there's no condemnation. We move a little, a little bit ways down from that. We see the Spirit helping us to do that, the Spirit enabling us to do that. 13, we saw that we're led by the Spirit. So not only are we walking in the Spirit, but we're led by the Spirit. And then last week we had looked at the fact that the Spirit Himself is who gives us hope. The Bible says that all this anticipation of glory, we have a hope of these things through the Spirit. Verse 23, we'll read down, we'll go ahead and read verse 23 down through verse one number seven, verse number 27, and concentrate on verse number 26 and 27 tonight. But actually, so I'll start in verse number 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves. Pay attention to that word groan. Not only they, but ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves groan. Let me see it again. What are we groaning for? Within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We understand that we're already adopted. There's nothing that's going to take away our adoption, right. but we're waiting the fulfillment of our adoption. We're waiting this entrance into a heavenly home. He, he says, we're waiting for this adoption. We're groaning inside of us for this adoption. He says, to wit, what are you talking about? What adoption? The redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is not that hope that is seen is not hope. For what is a man seeth? Why doth he yet hope for it? See, I don't have to hope that Lindsay's my wife because I can see her. I don't have to hope that Reese is my son because I can see him sit on the front row. I don't have to hope for these things because I see them. But the things that we don't see and the things that we hope for is what pushes us farther and farther every day. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And I know from the book of Hebrews, we've looked at the word patience. It can mean endurance or perseverance. 
Because we hope for something, we keep going after what we're hoping for. And that leads us into verse number 26 and 27, which we'll concentrate on tonight. Verse number 26 and 27 say, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And notice, Paul isn't using language that's pointing to other people. He's not saying the Spirit's helping your infirmities. He says the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. With groanings, there's that word groanings again that we've seen in these past couple of verses, which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So tonight, what I want to attempt to look at is three ways that we see the Spirit helping us in this section of Scripture. And particularly, this section of Scripture is talking about prayer. I don't know if anybody's like me. I don't, because I know I'm a weird person. Odd, odd. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the normal person. Most of my life, I have had a hard time keeping up, I guess, what we would call a prayer life. My prayer life, many, many, many times, has been very, very, very bad. Understanding the gospel has helped with that. Understanding why we pray has helped with that. But nevertheless, I think we see Paul have some of those same problems. Because it's not so much that I don't... At one point in time, I'll, I'll give you this much. At one point in time, I, there were times when I did not want to go to God because I did not feel worthy to go before God. I would, I, would, I would get into some type of sin, and I would think in my mind, I need to do better for a little while before I try and approach God. Or I would feel like I had to approach God in a very specific way or he wouldn't hear me. And if I said the wrong thing, then he could possibly turn it around on me and give me something completely opposite because I said it the wrong way. But this all came from a wrong view of who God is. We, we can't get away from this scripture especially without continuing to view God as the Father. We are coming to Him. We have the Spirit crying, Abba, Father. He is our Father. And there's no point in time that a child of mine is going to come to me with something that they really need and not get help. Because I'm their Father. And that's how God looks at us. If the, Reese could disobey me all day long and actually need help, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't take me a split of a second before I'd go help him because he's my son. There's, there is a, a type of teaching that will go around. There's a type of, of idea that goes around that if you're not living 100% like you should be living and you try and pray when something bad happens, God ain't going to hear what you've got to say. And we'll get into some more of that as we, as we go on, but... All of these things, they, they, they begin to hinder what should be a, life, a lifetime of prayer. Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said, pray without ceasing. But if we're going to pray without ceasing, 
one of the hardest things, even understanding who God is, one of the hardest things for us to get a hold of is what to pray. We run out of stuff to pray. You get down to pray and you know two or three things specifically that you need to be praying about. And within three minutes, your mind has already wandered off to something else that you don't, you had never even thought about before. Right. has nothing to do with prayer. has something to do with the, how a, it could, it could be how an alternator turns a battery in a, in a car. Right. Something, is, something as trivial as that, your mind is just gone and then... Yeah. There it comes back to that condemnation. You're before God. You should have enough sense yeah. to stay with the program. But that's our, that's our flesh. That's what we have to deal with. Prayer in and of itself. And if, if I'll, I'm going to give you two different, the names of two different books tonight that I've read and am, am reading. But one of the best definitions I've ever heard about prayer came from a book called Touching Prayer by John Bunyan. So as a Puritan writer, it was a, it's roughly, I think, 50 or 60 pages. It's almost like a little booklet. But he just talks about prayer. In the very beginning of that book, he defines prayer as this. He says, prayer is a sincere, so it's from the heart, a sincere, sensible, it makes sense, affectionate, Pouring out of the heart to God through Christ. In the strength and assistance of the Holy Ghost. For such things that God has promised. According to the word. For the good of the church. With submission in faith to the will of God. That's how John Bunyan described prayer. We really only ever think about him with Pilgrim's Progress. But John Bunyan has written many, many other books. And he is, again, he's one of those guys that we, yeah, we know Pilgrim's Progress today. But he wasn't that well known in his day. But even later on, writers that are held in high esteem like John Owen... They that John John Owen said I would give every earthly possession to have a drop of what he had. He said because if you were to cut that man, he would bleed the gospel. And that's what this book on prayer that he starts out. It starts out in that thought process because he said he said word of he said it's a sincere, it's from us sensible so it makes sense affectionate. Because we know who our Father is, pouring out of our heart to God through Christ. You see, there's, not to get ahead of myself, but we don't necessarily need to be taught how to pray. We need to be taught what to pray. And that was the struggle even the Apostle Paul was having. Thankfully, Paul was not one of the, one of the preachers that got up and said, you need to do this and you need to do that. Right. He was contemplating. We need to do this. Right. We need to see this. Yes. He was including himself in with the people. Yeah. But I do want to look at three ways, again, that the Spirit helps us. Number one, how he helps in our informities. Number two, how he helps by interceding or informing. And then number three, 
how he helps by instructing and or investigating. And we can kind of get to why I couldn't pick a word to use as we go on. But these words that I mentioned as we were going down through here, there's words intercession and words of grieving or groaning in this text of scripture that are going to up they're going to point us to our assurance of who we are when we pray. We see the creation groans, we see our bodies groaning, and in this verse of scripture we'll see the spirit groan. So we see the same groaning within all of these things, and they're all pointing to the exact same place. They're pointing to that final salvation, to that redemption of everything, to where everything is made new. When I, when I looked up the word groaning, it actually, interestingly enough, it means the way the, the groaning, the groaning, the word there, it's the same word that they would use for whenever you went, when you would pass by the mill house and you would hear the rocks grinding against each other. It's that almost a pain that you could hear as the wheat was being ground down, as the rocks were grinding against each other. That's what that word groaning means, and that's what happens in all of us, in the creation, and even in our spirit, that we some point and sometime are going to be able to go home. That's, that's the hope we have. That's the hope that was looked at last week. But number one, the helper helps in our infirmities. And we'll just move down through the text. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So if we have someone to help our infirmities, then we can come to the logical conclusion that we have infirmities. We have weaknesses. We have problems. We have things that we can't do ourselves. But the helper is the Spirit. And just as Jesus said, I will bring alongside of you another helper, another comforter. That's what he's doing here. He says he's coming alongside of us. And he's not coming alongside of us just to kind of be our cheerleader and say, yeah, you can do it. But he's coming alongside of us to help us. He's actually giving us a helping hand. He's actually there to produce something in us. It's almost as if, and this, I'm trying, trying to think of the best way to put this, but there are times whenever I may be building something and I'll have Reese out here with me. And that's and just just to use this just to kind of follow this illustration through. God is building something. He promised he was going to build his church and the yes. gates of hell would not prevail. God is building his church every day in each and every one of our lives so that we see it or not, whether we're on our jobs, whether we're at home, whether we're out at the grocery store, wherever it may be, God is building his church. We don't see it all, but he is doing that. But me and Reese may be building something. So I need a two by four. I need him to pick it up and I need him to slide it into place. That's what I need from him. Well, from experience, we know that Reese cannot slide a two by four in place where it needs to go by himself because it's too long. 
it's too long for him to be able to grab it because of his he's shorter, his hands are smaller, he doesn't have the strength to be able to put it in place where it needs to go. And that, in a sense, is what the Spirit is doing for us. So if Reese is trying to put something exactly in place, the Spirit comes alongside and says, let me help you. Let me help you put that in. Let me help you. I know where this needs to go. Let me help you slide this in where it needs to go. That's what the Spirit's doing. We, we are infirm. We know from chapter number 6, chapter number 7, and even in chapter number 8, we can't do this in our flesh. It's impossible to do this outside of God. But the Spirit is there saying to us, I can help you. I know what we're doing. I know what is needed. I know God doesn't need the 10 by 10. He needs the 2 by 4. We, I know this. And I don't need you trying to be over here struggling with the 10 by 10 when God really just needs the 2 by 4. And I'm going to help you with that. If he ever does need the 10 by 10, I'll be there to help you with that as well. But what we come into a lot of times is coming into a prayer life and we've picked up that two by four by its end and we are slinging it all over the place, not having any idea of where it's going or even what we're doing. And odds are sometimes in our prayers, we even make a big mess of everything. We come away with everything that we had thought we had just built is all sitting on the ground because we walked away from a prayer that we felt like never went anywhere. And that's not always the case. But outside of the Spirit, that is what happens. Yes. For better or for worse, a lot of our politicians, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that they're attempting to pray before something happens, but a lot of our politicians who may be praying for help go out and do things that God never intended on them to do because there's no spirit helping them pray. They don't know what to pray either. They don't know what to pray any more than we do. So they're praying that God helps them throughout the day and then they go and vote on the bill of abortion. That's, what, that's what's being done there. All these people, all these collective people are coming together to pray and because they have no help, they're knocking everything down. But kind of coming back to our illustration, there's not a time because I am Reese's father. There's not a time when Reese is going to build anything that he will not have my ever present help. And that's what Jesus has promised to us. He has promised that he will have our, he will always have his help. He said, I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee. Every hour of every day, he is there helping us. There was an illustration given, and this will kind of lead us into a little bit farther. But why well, we have our infirmities, a lot of our infirmities is not knowing what we need. Just not having any clue what in the world we need to be praying for. There was an illustration I had, I had read this week about a Chinese man who lived on the border of Mongolia. Well... The Mongolians and the Chinese, they weren't really friends back then. If you watch Mulan, you know that. But his horse got away. Only one he had. Horse got away, went over the line into Mongolia. His friends came by and heard about it. He said that his friends said, that's bad news. He said, well, you never know. Could be good news. 
Yeah. A couple days later, his horse comes back and has another horse with him. So he has two horses now. His friends say, wow, you were right. That is good news. And he said, yeah, might be bad news. The next day, his son was on the horse trying to tame it. Horse bucks him off. Son breaks his leg. So what was bad news turned to good news. What was good news has turned back to bad news, just like he had said. And his, his friends came up again. He's like, man, that's bad news. He said, well, you never know. Could be good news. Well, the very next day, all this activity had been twirling around and China decides to go to war with Mongolia. So they go around drafting children. And guess what happened to the guy's son? Wouldn't you know he had a broken leg? Nobody knew what was needed in that. Nobody knew what the next day was going to bring. Nobody knew what was really needed in that circumstance. And that whole illustration was given by a man to explain to us that we don't know what in the world we really need. We don't have any idea what we need to pray for because we can only see things partially. We can't see our hope or else it wouldn't be our hope. But God sees it. He's building it and he's building it for us. So the need for us, according to scripture, is to pray for what God is doing. That's what Christ himself said. He said, when you pray, pray like this. So we don't need to know how to pray because he told us how to pray. What does he mention there down there? I, I think he had posted something along that line on Facebook. That's long ago, Charles. Not too long down through there, he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The very first request that's made, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he goes on into some practical, give us his day our daily bread. But he begins out with what God wants. That's what Christ is saying. We, he says we need to come in prayer, sing who God is. Come in prayer, praying for what God wants. And then we can pray for the things that we need and the actions that we need to take care of. That's basically what the prayer is about. But again, we can't do this. We are infirmed. We have an, infirma, an infirmity, but the Spirit is there to help us. So as we continue down through the text, we see that the Spirit's there to help our infirmities. And he explains what our infirmities are. For we know not what we should pray. We don't know what we should pray. We don't know what to pray. I know we've mentioned this before, and I won't, I won't bury a lot of time on it, but... This is another place where we can see the reasoning for the translation that we use. I'm not, I have friends that use other translations. I'm not even against somebody reading in a separate translation. But if you're going to try and study the Word of God, there's really not a lot that can be seen wrong about the scriptures that we use. If you go look on many other translations, what this will say is, it says, for we, know, know, for we know not how we should pray. But in context, it's simple for us to see that what really goes there. And that's what our, that's what our Bible says. Our Bible says, we know, for we know not 
what we should pray. The Spirit's not there to teach us how to pray. He's there to, speak, to teach us what to pray. Christ has already taught us how to pray. And each and every one of us, if we have the indwelling of the Spirit, know how to pray to God. It's, you're not going to go, I have to ask any of my kids if they know how to talk to their father. What they have a problem with is what they say to their father. Because Reese doesn't know that he doesn't need to have the window open all the way down the church because his paper airplane will fly out the window if it's all the way open. His dad knows that. He thinks he needs the window open, so he asks for the window open, but that's not what he really needed. He knew how to ask. That wasn't the problem, but he didn't know what to ask. So we see the helper that informs us. We don't understand what we need. We many times don't know what we need or what to ask for. If I don't know what I need, I don't know what I'm supposed to ask for. And again, this is what keeps us from praying a lot of times. It's not that we are in a place where we know that God is our Father. We know what He's done for us. We know that He sees us as He sees His Son. We know that no matter how much we've messed up today, we can come before Him just as like we'd never messed up in our life. We know that now because we know the Gospel. But I don't know what I need today. I don't know what I'm going to need tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to need this week. I know what I think I need. I might know what I think that I want, but I don't know what I need. As a quick commercial, I told you I was going to mention two books. As far as what to pray, there is a book by Don Whitney called Praying the Bible. Praying the Bible is just it's, it's a short, simple book, and all, all it does is he takes scriptures like Psalm 23, for example, and he says, just take Psalm 23 and pray in the way that the Bible prays. Lord, thank you for being my shepherd. He said what the Spirit does in doing this, and it goes back some to what John Bunyan said. John Bunyan said, talks about us praying in the Word. What it does, though, is it allows the words of Scripture and the Spirit in us to bring those things that we need to mind. The Spirit's going to do that anyway, and that's what, what we're getting into as, as we kind of continue down through this second thought. But what the Spirit does is He informs us what we need to pray. And in this book, he, he, he mentions point, a few points where he says, you know, You'll be praying and thanking the Lord that he's your shepherd. And then someone will just automatically come to mind. And you'll be like, Lord, so-and-so over here, they need a shepherd today. Go be their shepherd. <clears throat> so you start to have the Spirit put things on you. And that's, that's a lot of how the Spirit's going to work in our prayer life. Because we don't know what to pray. The Spirit is going to prompt us to pray for certain things. And it's not that God can't do those things himself. But just like the rest of the Bible, we've been given the privilege to participate. If God wanted to get the gospel to Africa where no one's ever heard it, could he get it there? Yes. 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 So do we need to go? Yes. We might not go specifically. 
But there are people who feel compelled and feel called to go to Africa to those people that have never heard the gospel. The people that are in Bulgaria, where my wife's parents are. Are there people there who need to be saved? Are there people there who God is positioning things for them to be saved? So why are the people there? Because the, the scriptures have commanded us to go. We may be going to our jobs. We may be going to the grocery store. We may be going to Ghana. We may be going wherever, wherever it is. But wherever we go, the call is to proclaim the gospel. Yes. It's not that God needs us, but he has decided to use us. Yes. He said God didn't need the foolishness of preaching, but he chose the foolishness of preaching yes. to bring to them whom was lost. Mm-hmm. God doesn't need us. He uses us. In that same way, God doesn't need us to pray, but he uses us to pray. And that's where we're coming from. He understands what we need. And the Bible says, as we continue down in the verse, he said, for we know not what we should pray. We don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't know what to say. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. You see, the Spirit knows what we need. And the Spirit knows how to talk to the Father. Because they're one. We see the Trinity working in these verses. He understands what we need. He understands how to convey that to the Father. And it says that He is groaning. The Spirit's able to take our deepest, darkest, I don't know if that's the right word to say, but our our deepest longings before God in a way that we can't even figure out how to say those things. Because again, the Father understands the Spirit. All this while, the Bible says that Christ stands interceding for us. So we're down here praying. We don't know what we're supposed to be praying. The Spirit helps us pray. The Spirit brings somebody to mind. They say, okay, brought you know, Dan on Oak Street. He brings Dan on Oak Street to mind. So we pray for Dan on Oak Street, not knowing why, what Dan needs, anything like that. We don't know what Dan needs, but God knows Dan's heart. So the Spirit is taking before God the petition to help Dan. Christ is up there saying, you know what? He's covered by the blood. Go ahead. So the Spirit brings our petition before God and says he prayed help down on Oak Street. But what he really means is, let me translate, I want you to translate this for us. What he really means is that Dan on Oak Street is going to have something happen in his life today. And he's going to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And he needs his eyes open to be able to hear the gospel. That's what Dan really needs. We didn't know that. We didn't pray that. Not exactly. But part of our assurance that we are saved is when we see, and not to say that is our assurance. I can't look and say, well, I've had prayers answered, so I'm obviously saved. But part of the assurance of our salvation, part of the, the thing that bolsters what God is doing in our life, is when we see those little prayers that God prompts us with throughout the day come to fruition in somebody's life years down the road. It's like, oh, that's why God wanted me to pray for them. It's nothing in us 
But it's all pointing back to the Spirit's work through us. It's a participation in this activity of prayer. It's not something, and that's, that's what we have a tendency at some, I've, I've had the tendency in my own life to do, is think, well, God knows everything, and God can do everything. If I don't pray, is it really going to matter? If, because he can do everything, and he knows everything, he's going to do everything he's going to do anyway, so why should I even pray at all? But if we take that same philosophy and apply it across the board, then we may as well just go jump off, jump off the Golden Gate Bridge or something. Because God don't need us at all. If that's our real thought press, God doesn't need us. But as his children, well, we've been reading the book of Ephesians. He's building together his church. He's fitting us together in places where we go. There's positions where each and every one of us go collectively in a local church body. And a place where this local church body goes collectively in the community. And in this community, collectively in a nation. And we don't see all that. We don't see this universal church that God is building, but we are assured that he is building it. We are just participating in that. And that is that that informing part of prayer. That's why Paul said that we should pray without ceasing. He's not saying you need to be down on your face in your closet every single day. But it's a dependence, a frequency, a continuance, however word you want to use to identify that. He's saying at every point in time in your day, you need to be dependent on God, be frequently talking to God, and constantly doing this. That's what Paul was saying to the Thessalonians. He was saying stop for them specifically. He was saying stop looking for the rapture and just do what you're supposed to be doing and mind your own business. That's earlier in the chapter. But... That's basically what he was telling the Thessalonians. Mind your own business, do your work, and stop just thinking the rapture's happening tomorrow because it might not be. He told them to be dependent on God, to be continuing with God, and to be frequently doing this. And that's the call for us out of the book of Romans because we can be assured that in these prayers that seem meaningless to us, that God is working and interceding for us. But there's a little bit more that goes on with this. So he says that the Spirit is there making groanings. Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And just so everybody's completely clear, we're not making groanings that cannot be uttered. God is making groanings that cannot be uttered. Speaking in tongues doesn't make you have a better prayer life because that's the Spirit that's doing that work, not us. Verse number 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So not only does he inform, but he instructs. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 5, talks about discerning the heart and the mind of God. Paul says, you don't know what your your brother's thinking because what your brother's thinking is in his heart. It's in his mind. You can't hear what your brother's thinking. You don't know these things because it's in him. Now, if you're him, you know what you're thinking because you are him. I don't know what Brother Charles is sitting here thinking right now because I'm not Brother Charles, but Brother Charles knows exactly what he's thinking because he is Brother Charles. 
in that same way, we don't know what God's thinking because we're not God. But God knows exactly what God's thinking because God is God. So, according to what Paul is saying here in verse number 27, he that searcheth the hearts and knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. So, who knows the mind of the Spirit? God. Because he's making intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. So, what we can come away with this is the assurance that even though we can't pray because of our infirmity, everything that we say is meaningless. The Spirit helps us pray. So when we do pray, He's translating our prayer and interceding our prayer before God. And God is taking that because He knows the mind of the Spirit and is applying that to us according to what we need, according to His will. And not to get in on verse number 28, but that's exactly what verse number 28 says. That all things, He says, for we know that all things work together for good. Why? Because God is praying to God on our behalf. Yes. It, makes, it makes everything so, 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 now simple is maybe not the right word, but it puts everything together. Even when, we, when we've heard, well, if you're in sin, God can't hear you. In a sense, that's right. But it's not that God can't hear you because his ears are hard of hearing just like a, like a courtroom scene. If I'm a defendant, I can't talk directly to the judge. I'm not allowed to do that. But who I can talk to is the lawyer, and the lawyer can talk to the judge. So we see that in our justification. We see that in, in our sin debt. We sin, we tell Christ, I've sinned today. Christ conveys to the judge, says, look, this has already been paid for. That's how that John 1-9 works. On the other side of that, we have another intercessor. We say to this intercessor, this is what I need. But that intercessor says, no, this is really what you need. So you're praying, and that intercessor is, and again, in essence, if you want to think of it like a courtroom, that intercessor is translating what he really means judge is this, 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 this. He doesn't mean that he's guilty. He means he's not guilty, that he really did it this way. However, whatever kind of situation you want to come up with in your mind, that's what's happening. And that's why we can have that assurance that everything will come together for the good of those who are loved of God. Because they can't lose. I, if I am praying to God with the power given to me from God, being interceded for by the Son and translated by the Spirit... I can't lose because God is now taking everything that I've just said and he's organizing it out in the way that he heard me pray it. Not that he doesn't know what we're saying, but you understand what I'm trying to convey. It's not about what we say, but it's about the opportunity to participate in it. If I go out tomorrow and give the gospel to four people, it's not about what I said. It's about the gospel that does the work. Yes. I can't yes. save them. God has to do that. Yes. Paul said, I plant, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. In prayer, we look at it the same way. We can plant, we can come back and water and water and water, but only God will give the increase. Yes. Amen. 
And it may come up with something that we didn't even think that we planted. That's right. Say, God, what is this? I planted an apple tree. And God says, well, you didn't know that you didn't need an apple tree. But this is going to be way better for you. We find out, oh, God was right. It is way better for us. That's the part. That's this assurance that he's given us. This is, this is really the, arguably the last piece that Paul talks about in the work of the Spirit in our life before he explains to us that nothing can come to conquer us. Nothing can come over us. Nothing can make anything happen to us. Nothing can separate us. Before he gets to that last piece, he's telling us, he says, when you pray, God knows. God grabs on to those those deep things inside of you that you know that you need. Those things that are deep in your heart that you don't even know how to convey to a person, much less convey to God. God knows those things. And when all that we can do is come to God and say, God, you know this circumstance. You know what's going on here. We can be assured that the Spirit of God is taking that groaning within us and he's taking that groaning to God in the same way that we couldn't utter it. He's translating that to God for exactly what we need. And it's not that it's not that that the pastor has a better prayer life and can get through to God any more than anybody else. No one person on this earth can get through to God better than any other person unless that person is without the Spirit of God. If we at some point in time don't get away from putting ourselves into tears of Christianity, we're going to tear the church as we know it apart. Because we are one body. We're together. We are unified. It's not that we need to go to someone specific to have them pray because we know that they can just pray through. All we have to do is go to God because God can get through to God every single time. We have that complete assurance that no matter what it is that we say, no matter how much we fumble over our words, if our prayers sound like the most hit, the most hit trailer park kind of language you can think of, or if it sounds like the most dignified northern person you can think of, it doesn't matter because God is translating those prayers to the Father for us, and those things will happen for our good, period. There is no way around that because we have the Spirit. The Spirit is coming along Side and the Spirit is helping us. Yes. And that's where the Spirit, in our work of prayer, yes. that's what He does. He's coming alongside. He's picking those things up. And He's helping us pray. That's Paul's, Paul's whole gist. As I can kind of close up here. Paul's whole gist with this section of Scripture. He's not telling us, hey, this is the way you need to pray to be able to get through to God. He's not saying if you pray in this specific way, in this specific manner, God's going to hear you every time. He's going to answer it every single time. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying it doesn't matter. He said you're the nature's groaning inside that it can be redeemed. You're groaning inside just wanting to get to heaven where all this is over to be with God. The Spirit is taking those groans inside of you. And all of these things together, they're all pointing you back to God. And you can be absolutely assured that God is going to take care of it all. Amen. Whether your prayer is bad, whether you, can, whether you don't even hardly say any words in it, where you are just thinking about things in a communion with God that you need, you can be assured that the Spirit is taking those things before God. And you will receive that answer. We don't even have to think of it as a yes, no, or maybe that we think of. 
God, we, we can't see that practically in our lives. And I'm not trying to take away from that. We can see God practically show us answers in our lives for things that we're praying for. But what we can be assured of is that every single prayer is yes and amen in Christ Jesus because right. God has said right. it will be. It may not be exactly the words that came out of our physical mouth, but I promise you every single prayer that the Holy Spirit takes before God for us will be answered because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for a chance to be here today. I pray that you'll help us to, to understand what prayer is.